Welcome to the Funny Because It's True podcast. I'm your host, Kevin McGeehan. The show is recorded live every other Tuesday at 10 p.m. at the Second City Hollywood in Los Angeles, California. Storytellers are either predetermined or chosen randomly on the night of the show to tell a true story based on different themes. And this podcast is a mixed bag of some of my favorites. The theme of this episode is bad decisions. Those things we realize are bad only after the fact. Craig Conant describes his equine and felonious fireworks experience. Brandy Stillwell recounts how a great lust unexpectedly turned to grand larceny. And I discuss the time I looked like an idiot at a high school Halloween party. But let's not dawdle. First up, Craig Conant. I uh, have made a lot of bad decisions throughout my lifetime. And I'm going to tell you of one of them. It was uh, probably around this time, last year, June, maybe a month later, but me and Buddy were drinking an 18-pack of Tecate, and we'd finished it, and we came up with the brilliant idea, let's drive to Pahrump, buy about two to three grand worth of explosives, fireworks, it sounds cooler when you say explosives, and let's <laughs> smuggle them back, and let's sell them. And we're like, all right. And then so the next day we wake up, Early, because when you drink a lot, you wake up early for some reason the next day. Go figure. I don't know why. And then we, we start this expedition to Pahrump. It's right on the way to Vegas. If you hit the big thermometer, you go left. And there's Pahrump. Heidi Flysone's like a gigolo house out there. There's whores, meth, and fireworks. Just so you know. All right, guys? And uh, so we get there, and... We, we buy cases of mortar bombs, Roman candles, firecrackers, bottle rockets, everything that'll make money. And we, oh, I forgot that we stopped by the weed clinic on the way there and we picked up <laughs> a bunch of weed and chocolates and we're listening to Eka Mouse on our way to go buy fireworks. What a brilliant plan, right, guys? So we fill up the back of my buddy's truck bed. We spend about $2,200, we get about 600 pounds of fireworks. And uh, we're driving back, and we're like, let's take a new route back. Let's, let's see how this goes. Let's take these dirt roads of Pahrump. And so we're driving with, like, 600 pounds of fireworks lost in the fucking desert, driving on dirt roads. My buddy's on a quarter tank, and we just, like, there's a house, and then eight miles later, there's another house. And we're just like, what, what the fuck? And we're, we're shitting our pants. We're just looking at each other. And you know when you look at your buddy and you're in trouble and you just see each other's soul and you're just like, we'll get through this, man. We'll get through this. So finally we end up hitting like a quickie mart and we, we like go in there frantic because his truck is just full of fireworks and we're high and we're eating weed chocolates and just, <laughs> just bad, bad things. And then we ask the guy, like, how do you get to any highway to take us back to California? And they look at us like, what the fuck are you guys doing over here? This is dirt road. This is, like, Indian land. People don't have their teeth. You're two white boys. Look like surfers. And by the looks of the back tires, you're full of explosives there. <laughs> and uh, so we get back on the highway, and we head back to California. And, and we're going, and we pass state line. We're like, all right, home free. We made it. Not realizing that about three miles further, there's a California agricultural checkpoint. <laughs> when we realized that we had covered three sides of a rectangle of covering the explosives up with blanket, but we forgot to cover the, the, the front, which is behind our heads, which had signs of triangles that said fireworks, firecrackers, explosive devices. 
and and we're go we're coming up to the agricultural checkpoint and like once again we just look into each other's souls and we're just <laughs> we're holding breath and we're just like all right man and then um the truck in front of us gets stopped and it's a u-haul and the guy stops them opens up the back of their u-haul and like we're next we're next in line and we have like paperwork broken down how much each fireworks cost, how much we're going to sell them for. They're in his truck. I had the wholesale license. Like, we're both incriminated. We're crossing state lines. And then it comes up for us. And I, I believe in God, and I prayed my ass off. <laughs> and, like, the dude, like, just looked away. And I was just, to my buddy, I'm like, just fucking drive, man. Just drive. And we drove through. And we, we look back. And, like, there's no lights following us. And nothing has happened. And that was a bad decision, but I, there's more, guys. So <laughs> we get back, and I'm selling fireworks and just being a, a bad man. And uh, I have a backpack full of explosives, and I go down <laughs> to Hermosa Beach Pier in Plaza. And I've been drinking, and I'm with my sisters and her friends and my buddies, and uh, we're walking down the Strand. And I just thought it would be a great idea to light off a pack of these firecrackers that I have and I have a backpack full of them so I light them off and I throw them on the ground and they explode and it's fantastic and and I thought like people would like that but <laughs> they fucking didn't and I, I, I look up and there's a battalion of sheriffs on horses and, and like the, the noise made them go Rear! And they're, like, I'm walking through the smoke towards them, and they're coming at me on horses, and I'm just like, oh, fuck. And I have a backpack full of these things, keep in mind. And I'm walking, and, and I walk past them, and then this one asshole says, it was the guy with the backpack. And I'm wearing a backpack, so I just start running. <laughs> and <laughs> they tackle me. They rough me up. They uh, gave me with four charges. It was assault on the, the horse officer, of all things. Yeah, fucking, that's bullshit. <laughs> assault on the officer on the horse, possession of explosive devices, and detonation of explosive devices. And this 4th of July, my probation is up. <laughs> Next up, Brandy Stillwell. College, I went to a production uh, school, film school in Rockport, Maine, and uh, you're, uh, you would go there for uh, seasons. And one summer, um, my best friend Holly and I, uh, we had a crush on uh, this guy Mark and another guy named Jim. And uh, one night we were at the Sea Dog, and there was, <laughs> it's Maine, so there's a curfew, like bars close at like midnight, and you had to be out of town and back to our other harbor town by like one. And we were sitting out on the patio and here comes Jim and Mark. And they're like, hey you guys, come on, we wanna show you something. And we're like, where do they come from? It's fine, we'll follow them. So we go down into the harbor and the first thing we see is like a, someone sunk a, a dinghy and still doesn't register with this. And they're like, get in the boat. So we go ahead and we get in the boat with them. And you know, I know Mark is like the governor of Rhode Island's son or stepson so I'm like well maybe he has a boat out here I don't know so we're in the harbor and we're tooling along with him we're like whose boat is this and they're like I don't know I'm like what do you mean you don't know and they're like 
um, my best friend Holly's like, did we just steal this boat? And they're like, well, yeah. And I'm like, oh, my God. We just stole a boat. Um, I could be expelled for this. So just then we get out to the, the mouth of the harbor, and a light hits us. And I'm like, oh, my God, what, it's just the lighthouse. And now I am a good swimmer, but not enough to swim. And like this is like North Atlantic Titanic water. And um, so I'm like, okay, this is the lighthouse. We've got to get back. We've got to get back. And then all of a sudden, another light hits us. It's the harbor master. So they decide to flee in this boat. And so there's like all these like really expensive yachts and uh, other sailboats. And we're hiding. We've killed the motor on the boat, and we're trying to hide back behind these other yachts. And I remember seeing this like really rich, evil woman, like the glow of her cigarette, like standing there watching us. I'm really pleased to this please. Don't say anything. She didn't. Um, she's like, I don't know if she's waving her smoke or what, just leave my sight line. I don't know. So we get over to the, we're, we can see the harbor master looking for us. And so we end up ditching the boat on the other side of the harbor. And everyone gets out of the boat and we kind of have to swim up to shore. Now everyone's dry. Well, I'm, no, everyone's soaking wet except for me. I'm like soaking wet from here down. But I have on platform uh, sandals, which seemed like a good idea earlier in the day. So when we're climbing up on the rocks, there's barnacles on them. And my feet are sliding everywhere, so now they're all bloody. And um, Mark's like, well, we have to get my Jeep keys. My Jeep keys are in the bar. So I get nominated to have to go back into the the bar to get the Jeep keys. So now the lights are on because the bar is closing. And there's, like, bloody wet footprints (laughs) walking in. And it's, like, leading up to me. And I'm trying not to cry because I'm like, I just stole a boat. Um, and, you know, I had had a crush on this guy. And now I'm, like, going, I don't know, this is questionable. Um, and he, we get in, I, get, I find his keys that he had left in the bar, and I go back, and they're hiding in a park in, like, the shadows. And they come back down, they get in the Jeep, and we go back into, um, back into Rockport, get everyone dropped off, I get ready to crawl into bed. And then I hear a knock at the door. It's, like, an hour later. And there's Mark standing there in a black turtleneck and shoe polish on his face, a hippie helmet, and, like, shorts. And he's like, we've got to go get the boat back. Why we? And, and he's like, no, God, I'm going to, come on, you'll be fine. I'm like, I'm going to get expelled. So I jump in the Jeep with him. We sneak back into town. And, of course, the roads are dead silent. I mean, the sheriff, I'm assuming, is asleep. I don't know. Um, so we get, we pull back up to the other side of the harbor, and he pulls a knife out, this giant knife. And I'm like, he's going to murder me now. But then he puts it in his mouth, and he's like, I'll be right back. And it's like he thinks he's a Navy SEAL or something. And I'm like... I hate you. So this kills my crush. I was very thankful. And I watch him slide into the water, and he's swimming across the harbor with a stupid knife in his mouth. And I still don't know what he needed the knife for. It's not shark infested. So he goes, and I watch him on the other side, and he pulls the the dinghy over, flips the motor out, and with the rope and the knife still in his mouth, slowly swims it back across the harbor and ties it up. And he comes and jumps back into the car, and I drive back into town, and I'm like, oh, my God, this is, um, I hate you. Um, (laughs) Crush over. So here it is. We didn't really want to talk about it, but people were talking about it because people were like, why was Brandy all bloody in the bar last night? So some people knew. 
cut to the next season. Uh, we get to class, and in the student handbook, there is a footnote that for anyone who steals a boat will be prosecuted to the fullest and expelled. And one of my friends had gone through all of the class books and in parentheses wrote Stillwell, and that would be me. <laughs> and finally, me, Kevin McGeehan. My mother always had a way of doing sweet things that would sometimes make bad situations better. When I was in high school, for a full week, I was extremely popular. I had done something that everyone in the school had seen, and it was very, very successful. But because of one bad decision, it was over in an instant. At the beginning of my junior year, I joined drama. I was really excited, and I was cast in the first play I'd ever been in called You Can't Take It With You. Lovely Kaufman and Hart's piece that no one knows. And I played Donald. And if you know that play at all, it is from, uh, it's from a different time where it's about an eccentric family that meets a seemingly normal family. But by the end of it, who are really the eccentrics? But at one point, because this came from a different time, they had a very stereotypical servant named Donald. Because there were a thousand white kids in my school and only three black kids, who none of them took drama, it was a very white cast. <laughs> I played Donald. Now, uh, I was very excited about this, and one of the cool things that happened was a guy named Hans who was supposed to do my part on the other night. Sixth period had Thursday night, seventh period had Friday night, and there were going to be two different versions of the play. But because Hans was a screw-up, he got kicked out of the Donald part, so I got to do it in two nights in a row. Now, my ego is able to be inflated quickly. <laughs> During class... Uh, Douglas Wells, our, our teacher, said, you know, guys, Kevin is going to steal this show if you guys don't step up. It was a typical high school play. No one was really making any choices. It was very, very dull. But then I came in, and I was very big and very big in it. <laughs> so the night of the play arrives, and... For the first 20 minutes, it's dry, and there are no laughs, and it's exceptionally boring. But then I enter, and I walk in, and I have a paper bag with an old paint can in it, so it, it's got some weight to it. I walk in. Everyone on stage looks at me. I walk over to a table, slam that down on it, and exclaim with so much fervor, Hey, evening, everybody. And at this point, it was the first loud noise and the first choice anyone had made in the play. So the entire audience goes crazy. And I could have remembered this with a little hyperbole. Who knows? But the place went crazy. <laughs> and it was my first experience with a huge laugh, and it was absolutely addicting. And the rest of the play, I was even bigger and more broad, and it still got so many laughs. The next day at school... All the people that had seen it went crazy over this and wanted me to repeat evening, everybody. And I obliged them because my ego was huge at this point. Friday night, I do the show again, and it gets the exact same reaction. Uh, 
The weekend is fantastic. I keep running into friends. They're all congratulating me. The next few days at school, everyone is talking about this play. And once again, I could have remembered this with a lot of exaggeration, but <laughs> I was getting a lot of attention. And people were asking me to repeat my now catchphrase, my equivalent of where's the beef. And I would say, <laughs> evening, everybody. <clears throat> and then that Friday, it was the end of October, there was a Halloween party. And I was invited to it. It was a cool kid val uh, Halloween party. And I was so excited. But I'm not a costume guy. I never have been. But that year... I figured out the best costume I could wear. I'm going to go as Donald. Everyone will think that's awesome. I go to the party dressed in the exact outfit I wore in the show. And I walked in and I actually said, evening, everybody. And one guy said, it was like a Simpsons bit where one guy speaks up. Hey, that asshole is doing his part from the play. <laughs> and at that point, my popularity just ended. It just spread around the party that, what is he doing? I have no idea. I was distraught. So very sad. My mother had come to see the play as well. And my mother was a big nerd. And she was so proud of me, and she, she loved the fact that it went so well. And she actually watched the show through binoculars so she could see my face the whole time. And I didn't want to tell her that I had lost this popularity because I was just an idiot. But a few days later, she came up to me, and she was beaming. And she said, Kevin, I got you something. And she had this T-shirt made for me that said, Evening, everybody, on it. <laughs> And it made everything better. So much so that so many years later, I am currently wearing that shirt now. That's it. That's our show. Special thanks to our storytellers, Craig Conant and Brandy Stilwell. Also thanks to Josh Callahan, Mark Warzeka, The Second City Hollywood, and the Comedy Podcast Network for producing the show. You can like Funny Because It's True on Facebook to find out upcoming show dates and themes. All the past episodes are available for free download on the Comedy Podcast Network and iTunes. While on iTunes, feel free to leave a rating and a comment about the show. More comments help the show grow to a broader audience on iTunes, plus it appeases my staunch desire for approval. If you would ever like to see the live show, Funny Because It's True is every other Tuesday at 10 p.m. at the Second City Hollywood, located on historic and mildly unsavory Hollywood Boulevard. So come out, put your name in contention, and maybe you'll get chosen to tell a true story on stage, and from there, get chosen to be on the podcast. My name is Kevin McGeehan. Thanks for listening. You have received this transmission from the Comedy Podcast Network. For more shows, visit ComedyPodcastNetwork.com.